0: Hello and welcome to the Car Stories Podcast, brought to you by the Peterson Automotive Museum. My name is Kyle Hyatt. With me as always, my long-suffering co-host,
1: James McKeon.
0: Back, back from the wilds of, uh, of deepest, darkest Australia.
1: That trip down under. Yeah, he survived, guys. No, Snakes. No
0: visible snake or spider bites. Crocodiles. He's not inside of Sharks. a shark. It's great. Everything worked out Bushfires. Okay. Yeah. Once again, we have decided to take this podcast on the road. And uh, we've come down to normally sunny Irvine, California, uh, which is now currently an overcast hellscape. Uh, but uh, we're here at Mazda headquarters.
1: Where it is always sunny on the inside. It's
0: nice here. Yeah, they make it nice. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, we're here right now with uh, Jack Flynn. And uh, Jack is a pretty interesting dude. He's a, a designer for Mazda. He's an art center graduate. He, uh, uh, he's a glasses enthusiast uh he's got a number of uh, interesting hobbies and uh, we're psyched to have you on the podcast I thanks think. for having me yeah thanks for taking some time out of your uh, no doubt busy busy work day not a problem to slack off with us so uh getting started um how like what what got you interested in cars initially like how did you kind of come to them as a
2: as a profession or a That's hobby it began yeah um what was a genesis a genesis so i was no, uh the highway so. My folks are, my father's from England, my mother's from France, born in Europe, moved to the States quite early, Mm -hmm. around three years old, and my dad was a big car guy. Um, I think when he got here, sort of the big American cars, growing up in England, and I guess, you know, 60s, 70s, seeing the big American cars, the muscle car era, I think it got him really excited, and he was always a big car guy, and Mm -hmm. that definitely sort of planted the seed. I remember when he came here... It's probably '84. He bought a new uh, Mark One GTI, and that was like classic mega big deal for him, yeah. and, and even for I remember being four or five years old in the in the back seat, thinking this is awesome. Yeah, you I mean, know.
0: it's still pretty awesome. It is pretty. Awesome. Stood the test of time. It was.
2: It was my. You know, he 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 let me drive it when I turned sixteen. I eventually crashed it, but it was my <laughs> I guess first car. <laughs> nice,
0: nice. So you uh, have to crash
2: once. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At yeah. least
0: once just to give you a sense of your own mortality yeah mm. which is critical
2: and perf- hopefully you did it slowly yeah I mean it was well at the end it, after you it hit it was significant yeah, yeah. Significant. Well, I mean you
0: survived a crash in a mark 1 GTI so right. it, it had to have been kind of a, a light tap right things were not the sturdiest right but uh, so how'd um,
2: you went to uh, you went to art center which uh, did go to art center yeah it's a big deal so Yeah, graduated graduated oh so I moved out here to California In 2000, I think, 2000, 2001, Mm -hmm. with the intent to go to Art Center at at some point. um, I was at school on the East Coast, North Carolina State University, big four-year school, kind of just the, let's do this after high school. I don't know what's going on. Um, They had a design program there which got me interested in design generally. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, I guess through school, like grammar school, I was an okay student, but art was sort of the one that, you know, my parents would hear from those teachers. Like, oh, yeah, that maybe Jack's got something there. Um, so the intent was to go to Art Center when I came out here. Um, and I, I just worked on bicycles, did the bicycle thing for a couple of years. The bold move in Los Angeles. Yeah.
0: Especially, I, like, early, you know now like it's getting a little bit bicycle friendly bit. right yeah
2: yeah but i mean it was mostly mountain in the mountains okay so
0: all right i guess a different a different kind of uh explains your continued survival yeah yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> um but, you know art center was one of the schools i read about that the average age of freshmen was 25 they these people have degrees already so i didn't feel any kind of rush mm-hmm. but i remember within the first few days i was I landed in Pasadena. Went to check out the school and was like, "Okay, this is this has got to happen." Yeah, as I mean, let's soon be honest. Possible. When
1: you get to that school, it's a pretty nice view. Yeah, I mean, if it's if a pretty can, nice location.
2: If, if you can see through the like
0: th- peanut butter thick like haze of smog. Yeah.
2: There's days when you cannot see the San Gabriel Mountains, you know, and I yep. think it's maybe five miles away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. It's pretty brutal out there. But no, that, that is cool. In the drive up is nice. The too. drive up is very
2: cool. The building itself is it's a beautiful, beautiful building. building mm-hmm. You know, and I, you walk into the gallery and the transportation department generally kind of has center stage. Sure. So you walk in and you're just seeing these models and the sketches and then just, and it's a small school, you know, yeah. so you kind of figure it out pretty quick yeah. and where the car guys are and... Like I said, within an hour, I was signing up for the night classes and let's <laughs> let's figure this out, you know. Nice. Sure.
0: Yeah. I just found out um, that because at the Peterson, we have like a like a showcase class. Yeah. For yeah. Arts that's Center, right. Too. That's right. So I just found out that um, like randomly that, that uh, the Peterson uh, or Arts Center specifically is um, the only California institution to get a, a national endowment for um, the Arts uh, uh, uh grant and no it's kidding. it's going specifically towards um doing more programming stuff at the the, the, the classrooms of the peterson which is awesome that is cool because i can't wait to see like more kids in there like carbon clay models and yeah uh, i'm just yeah. looking
1: forward to being able to sneak in and then no one recognizes that i'm not actually part of the school so i'm learning on the fly there right you there you go like, yeah. yeah
2: it's a cool we were just there you know the studio went mm-hmm. uh, last month to the peterson and got a nice tour from uh, you guys excellent and uh Saw that studio in that space. It's cool. It's it's yeah. it's, it's more in depth than I thought it yeah, was.
0: Th- that's sort of the same. Like when, when I first saw, it. And I like that they split it into the like the the, the old school, modern computer modeling side, and then like the traditional like clay, clay. models and stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. Really neat. Cool. Um Yeah, we went. We had um, Heinrich Fisker on mm-hmm. pretty recently, mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't. First of all, I didn't even know there was an art center campus in Switzerland, and he like was the, part of the first class back to go in there. the day.
2: Yeah, I mean. Yeah, my former boss Franz von Holzhausen here, mm-hmm. Derek Jenkins here. I think they both spent time there. Back in like, yeah, the I'd say late eighties, early nineties, it was it yeah. was hot, hot stuff.
0: Yeah. And he was like he was super pumped when he saw like, oh, you guys like have you know, that that we had like both the like modern computer aided design where, you know, going in and, and changing the shape of a door handle by like a millimeter and a half it's just super easy, easy and it's re render and it's fine right but also like having the opportunity to go in and like get your hands dirty and like really appreciate something as an object which is i think a completely different experience yeah it's really yeah. cool um so yeah so how did you i mean how did you come to work at at mazda which-
2: so yeah mazda was out of school i graduated april 06 and started here august 06 so i had nice. a summer had a summer of just playing in the the ocean, sure. you know, fooling around. Um, while I was in school, I interned at Volkswagen, mm-hmm. interned at Design Works um, okay. in Newbury Park, yeah, kind yeah. of on their transit side. It was a cool. It was my first internship. It was really cool um, in the sense that you don't you don't just do cars there. Especially back then, it yeah. was sort of split into product, transit, and automotive BMW specific. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we went
0: to we well, we saw you at the auto show. Yeah, um, and we we actually just interviewed um, Brad Krakouela. Who's at Design Works? And he was he's the guy that's like the lead designer for their um, carbon fiber racing wheelchair. Yeah, okay. I
2: remember I, I think I remember him. Yeah. yeah. I
0: didn't even know that they did that stuff. It's they do
2: cool, cool stuff. Really cool. It's, it's, yeah, they do super, super cool stuff. Like I worked on a piece of furniture, I worked on a toy that Mattel put out. Um oh, wow. yeah, it was just you get to work on a lot of different stuff. Mm-hmm. And through Art Center, you know, you you quickly realize that. There's not a lot of guys graduating, and of those guys, there's not a whole lot of guys getting jobs right away Mm -hmm. in the automotive field. So, a lot of guys will, you know, go into product design, um, even, you know, like apparel design. Sure. Um, And that was my first taste of that, and Mm -hmm. I quickly realized, like, I could – this is great. You know, I could go either way on this, um, especially that being my first internship. Sure. And then at Volkswagen, it was pure cars. And we were doing the GX3 show car. Okay. Remember yeah. that? Like yeah, the yeah, three-wheel yeah. guy? Mm-hmm. Um, super fun under Derek's direction there and Alex Earl. Oh, we had Alex on the podcast. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Perfect guy. Yeah. 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 That guy's awesome. Nicest yeah. human. Yeah. With the motorcycles. Totally cool and story. The dog. Yeah. And the dogs, the Jeeps. Yeah. Yeah. Fun guy. <laughs> but anyway, that's when I was, I really wanted to do the cars after that. Mm-hmm. I was like, all right, the car thing. I hope that that back. happens yeah. yeah
0: sure so like when you first got to Mazda like what were some of the things that you you were entrusted uh, with at first like what were some of your first projects
2: first projects um so those were the Nagare days okay you guys remember that so Lawrence oh, yeah. Vandenacker was um our general manager in Japan mm-hmm. and Franz von Holzhausen, who's now at Tesla was my boss here in fact this was his office nice. okay so, yeah um so so the Nagari. So we were just kicking off the Nagari. It was very show car, advanced design work. Mm-hmm. I got here right when that was sort of yeah kicking off, and it was really experimental, tons of fun. Um, you know, we were sketching traditional sketching, but we were doing like kind of weird experiment stuff with fabrics and just sort of like mm-hmm. how can things get affected differently, and how could that apply to a body side? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that was. And then the the Mazda five. It's currently on the road. Not selling anymore, but um that was like our first production where we With tried the, to like the swoopy line. Exactly. Lines, we you know, tried yeah. to translate so, yeah, that. And that was it. that was a really big challenge because obviously on a concept car that's a meter off the ground mm-hmm. and as wide as you want it to be, you can pull off kind of anything. Yeah. But then as soon as it comes to stamping and a sliding door and things like that, it got really, really challenging. It's it a little trickier at that point, I guess. Yeah, yeah. It does. It does. Um so yeah, that was kind of the first sort of dive in and really, really experimental, you know, for a young designer to come into that was sort of perfect in a sense where it was sort of no, no limit blue sky. Sure. Lawrence was really big on that stuff too. I mean, you can see it at Renault mm-hmm. when he went to Renault it was like those series of concept cars that really kind of lay the foundation to the philosophy of the design. Mm-hmm. And certainly so that's certainly. what he was doing, doing here. Awesome.
0: Yeah. It's really interesting. Like Mazda in particular, um, more so than I think the a lot of the other Japanese car companies are super design focused. Yeah. Yeah. Like And the uh, philosophy as well of it just going forwards. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Uh, there's like the 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 cars are I think Japanese cars in general kind of get a a a, a reputation for being like appliance like, very homogenous. Like they're not totally. super exciting. Yeah. But like the thing that's different about Mazda is that, like, the cars have always been interesting looking. Yeah. They always,
1: and the new ones are looking great.
0: Oh, yeah. No, they're gorgeous. Like, I mean, even like something that's as, as typically sort of like weak tea as like a crossover, right? Like, it's gorgeous. It's just, yeah. like, it's, it's yeah. not even like pretty oh, cool. for a crossover. It's just a pretty car. Right. And, and like, that's really exciting. Like, what are, where, like, where do you draw some of the inspiration for some of the work that you
2: do? Like, what, like, what do you,
0: like what gets you excited about about designing stuff?
2: Sure. Um, well, I guess my design ethos, if you will, for for since the beginning has always been sort of boiling something down to its simplest kind of form and mm-hmm. whatever that message is that you're trying to say, whether it's through a car or any kind of design project, it's just boiling it down to really the what you need and nothing nothing else kind of. And the Miata. The yep. I mean, original Miata all the way to the, the latest ND is mm-hmm. is that car, exactly. And that's something that I think we're starting to see all through the entire lineup. You know, as we go forward, um, you'll see the cars getting even more simple and being distilled. down. there's something with Mazda and, and Japanese design where it's, simple maybe isn't the word it's more like pure mm-hmm. and kind of refined and distilled so like the rx vision that was showed at toke shown at tokyo about a mm-hmm. year Which is ago fantastic awesome yeah. car Still blows Core, my mind when i see it yeah when I got
1: to see the la auto show it's so cool
2: so it's, cool it's a it's bananas yeah and then you look at that car and i think a lot of people say oh it's a really it's a clean simple design and yeah it's it's clean and to an extent it's simple but really the complexity of that design and mm-hmm. how pure it is like takes mm-hmm. a lot of refinement Ooh, and yeah. obviously skill from from the clay modelers but that's kind of my my design ethos as well as Maz's right now there's a there's a great alignment I guess between like yeah. when I see this stuff going on in the company I'm just yep that's you know that's cool and I think we're always just trying to really boil it down to a very clear message sure sure and I think you can get anything more refined than that speedster that we saw at uh, SEMA
0: well oh, that thing still haunts my dreams it's beautiful yeah. yeah it's a gorgeous car you beautiful. did a lot of work on that yeah
2: yeah yeah I did that car um, so I led that program in fact so last not, so SEMA 2015 mm-hmm. yeah we did that car initially and then we did a nice little refresh actually for for this year's SEMA but yeah that was sort of all right the Miata is boiled down it is a pure expression of, of driving enjoyment. Mm-hmm. What if we took it even further, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, when we kicked off the the MX-5, the ND, four years ago now, I guess, four or five years ago, I mean, a lot of my sketches were of that nature, just to kind of like, this is this is a pure expression, sure. and how can we, you know, translate as much of this to a production car as possible. So it was great to do the speedster, because it was kind of like, well, yeah, this is like, this is kind of what I want to do, you mm-hmm. know? Um, And then just, you know, working with the engineering guys, chopping stuff out, lightening it, you know, you learn a lot about, you know, we should remove that because that weighs a ton. All right, cool. Like, yeah, let's do it.
0: You know? so i mean do you do you happen to know like what the the weight of that ended up being by the end because
2: i think for the for the latest one the mm-hmm. white one at this year i think we got it down to 2000 wow and yeah. then how much is it the work between
1: you and the the engineers and so forth because obviously you can design the looks of it but they can tell you the the
2: more specifications of something so where's that blend balance between the two of you guys it de- it's it's kind of a project to project you know mm-hmm. basis they they're upstairs sure. so they're here on site which is great they've got um They have a group called the Advanced Engineering Group. So we'll get together with them on a lot of the advanced projects Mm -hmm. or early projects. We work on every here. It's from concept all the way to production. Mm -hmm. Even with production, we generally jump on it early just to kind of push the boundaries and sort of explore the package. You know, maybe the package isn't totally locked and frozen. There's a bit of flexibility. And Mm -hmm. let's let the designers kind of, you know, play with it and see what they would like to do. Sure. So at the beginning, there's quite a lot of um, back and forth. With the Miata, there was definitely a lot of back and forth. Um, We had things with, like, wheel sizes that we were kind of, like, fighting for different things. Sure. Um, We wanted, you know, parts of the car a lot lower than where they were at the beginning. Um, Front overhang got really short due to the the LED lamps that we were able to put in it. Mm -hmm. So those kinds of discussions, just very high level at the beginning, can really set up a car quite quickly. Um, and then, you know, we do a lot of interior work here and those guys do a lot of, um, HMI stuff like that. And so that conversation goes on until the very end, you know, cause a lot of it, some, not a lot of, a good portion of it is software stuff. Like sure. how do we kind of interact with, with the vehicles? Not so much the shape of this knob or the location of this knob that's mm-hmm. earlier, let's say, and then down the line, you just get into the software with that particular example. Hmm
0: uh talking about like sort of working with engineers and having like uh, a design team like having some input on stuff like one of the the big things that you've done recently um was the uh, the new Mazda prototype racer which um is also stunningly beautiful yeah that's that's and it, it is very pretty i mean especially those cars aren't necessarily that class of cars i guess aren't necessarily known for being aesthetically pleasing
1: right it's good to have one that is now yeah, yeah that's yeah, the thing no yeah thanks. exactly cuz yeah. it's
0: got like you know like there, you look at something like um, like like a, like the Porsche 919 like you right. look at it and it's just right. like been kind of like slab with like giant weird headlights sure. and there's like no concessions made to being pretty but like your car accomplishes the same same stuff but there's like there's things to latch onto like i love the little little inlet at the front little grill yeah, kind of yeah thing.
1: yeah and you can see where it leads to in the actual Cars that the company makes as well yeah and that's, right. that's really important
0: how uh, tell tell us a little bit about your experience um with that project because that's that's not something that like a you know like a designer typically gets to do like right like a race engineer aerodynamicist not normal yeah
2: thing. not normal not a normal project Pro- probably my favorite project to date okay. I mean, it's a hard one to beat mm-hmm. it came about quickly it came about not random but you know the whole thing started with imsa for for this series right for starting in 2017 mm-hmm. wanted these prototypes to kind of correspond more to the brand that is attached to these to these race cars so for sure. this year it's you know Cadillac's involved Nissan and Mazda so if you want them to look more like the Mazda or you know the brand car then have those designers sketch on it so i quickly just did a couple this was in may Twenty last year. Mm-hmm. Couple quick sketches. Okay, that's cool. Let's build an alias model. Quickly built a model. Um handed it off to we worked with Multimatic, who oh, yeah, they're based in, in. Yeah, they're based in Canada. We at and in England. Okay. Um
0: They're they're building the Ford GT for Ford.
2: Right, exactly. Yeah, those guys. So obviously, you know, we knew they could pull it off. Yeah. Um But yeah, we we sent it off to them and they you know, it, it looks beautiful, but oh, we don't know how this is going to do in the tunnel. Mm-hmm. So some back and forth. Um, we finally get a proposal from them that is, you know, we all referred to it even them um, as the Lego car because it kind of had that <laughs> Porsche nine one nine. sort yeah. of just these like blocks, and uh, that's when um, Max and Alias modeler and myself flew to england for a week and just sort of hammered out a design with working with those aerodynamicists
1: yeah i was going to ask how that worked in regards to the chassis and then putting the body on top of it
2: right i mean that's basically i mean they developed the chassis and then the freedom was in kind of if you remember the car the red, yep. like everything that was red, we kind of had freedom with some of the black bits as well because it was like graphic choice. Mm-hmm. But essentially like, you know, the front nose, we could really give the car an identity. Side pods were a little bit more difficult just because there's a lot going on there with, yeah. you know, cars hitting it as well as the aerodynamics. Sure, Cabin was locked. Um, but we basically just worked with them back and forth, pretty, you know, long days, one mm-hmm. week, came back, Um, to California and they kind of ran with it and then the numbers came out incredible they were like they were super surprised obviously everyone was super surprised the numbers came out really really good in CFD so that's it really didn't change from that trip to what you see now yeah didn't really change and then we got to do a graphics package and things like you mentioned a little brake duct that came about because we wanted the the front end quite high and they were like well you got to lower it like I think it was a hundred mil And so it was like, what if we do this black piece Mm -hmm. with this brake, you know, duct in there? And it was just, it was very like this. It was a conversation back and forth. I would sketch. Max would build it in 3D, send it to uh, the aerodynamicist, who would then just kind of build back surfaces. He would ship data back to Canada. So it was just a lot of yeah kind of back and forth and in the end you know
1: yeah, but it still seems like getting it done like seven months for it to being like essentially on track and racing yeah that seems incredibly quick
2: it's qu- it was quick yeah, i mean i think bananas. i think from i think the race guys kind of work on that sort of timeline mm-hmm. like that sort of speed I yeah think for it's a just, season have to be yeah, obviously just, working on the car to improve it for next season yeah and they're just bolting panels on mm-hmm. and like cutting holes and stuff yeah. For us, it's psycho quick. Yeah. I mean, crazy, crazy decisions were made. You know, usually we'll go back and forth with obviously Japan had to be involved and like mm-hmm. aware of what we're doing here. So then that always takes time. There's mm-hmm. a time difference. You know, there's all sorts of stuff. And then how does it go with working with the actual team that's running the cars? So Speed Source is a group based in Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, yeah, they, they're the team team owners, team team runners um, we worked with them with the gra. They have a graphics guy that does all their graphics, so that yep. was kind of where we handed off something to them. Mm-hmm. Um, from that standpoint, Sylvain Tremblay, who's the team owner, he was in England with us. Kind oh, cool. Of. cool. Yeah, he was mediating kind of between the because he's obviously worked with the Multimatic guys sure. a lot. We were sort of the new new kids on the block, you sure. know. We, like you said, designers don't get to do this, you know what I mean? It was sort of.
0: Yeah. I mean, I mean, it used to be for a really long time until computers became prevalent in design that, you know, if you wanted something to be fast, well, if it's pretty, then it's probably going to be fast. I right. Mean, look at something like, you know, the, the endurance racing Ferraris of the 60s or the, the Porsche 917s. Yeah, that gets the totally. Helicopter.
2: I mean, and that those, those cars were on the wall. I mean, yeah. the real quick kind of, all right, here's the program. The, the race car needs to look more like a Mazda. We're trying to do simple. We're not trying to do hard lines. We're sure. trying to do these nice, subtle surfaces. Okay. You look at what they'd want to do, and it's a brick. It's all lines and creases. Mm-hmm. So then we kind of brought up all these, we called it like, what is it, like the timeless beauty of motorsport, and it was all those cars, you know, D-types and, yeah, P4s. Sure. And just those really soft, mm-hmm. subtle cars, and we just started with that, mm-hmm. and yet to, just to get something, like you said, beautiful back on back on the road.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one thing that I think that is is really interesting about Mazda is that a sort of sort of by force I think necessitated by the the size of the company is that because you guys are kind of a small company you're forced to be a little bit more nimble um, and you can do things like have a design that's a little bit a little bit more out there um, than some of your competitors. Like do do you find that that the size thing is is does it help more in terms of being nimble or is it there's it more of a hindrance in that like, well, we can't really afford to do this right now kind of thing or, or you know, it's a limited resources kind of a problem.
2: I, th- I think it helps. Yeah. I mean, for me I, personally, like from a design standpoint, it helps. Like, yeah. you know, when when Maeda-san our our global chief from Japan comes into town, you know, I present directly to him and he gets to hear every designer in the company's kind of vision and voice. Mm-hmm. That goes for the European studio as well. He's just really, you know, we're not, there's not that many layers. Sure. You know I, what I it, mean? It, it
1: makes sense when you talk about having the engineers so close to you as well. So you can talk to them about a the process as well. And yeah. I'm sure being in the same building, it's a lot easier than having to wait. Like Absolutely. A safe, the time change, yeah. the emails going
2: back and forth. Yeah. You can go hash it out over a
1: cup of tea. Right. It makes things much
2: easier. Yeah. No, I think, I think it's really positive, you know, overall. Um, and just to be able to to move quicker. Sure. You know, with with, you know, obviously things are changing so much now and we don't have this giant kind of ship that we've gotta steer. It's more like, okay, let's react to it mm-hmm. and and make the call. Nice. Which I think is good, yeah. Yeah, it's
0: really interesting. Um what are I mean, obviously you've talked about sort of like the Miatas throughout its lifespan. What are some of your other favorite cars um, not necessarily that you worked on, but just just things that you've always that you found beautiful
2: or interesting, or or, or wanted to even get behind the wheel of. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A good one. Um, and they,
0: they don't necessarily have to be Mazdas, but
2: right. Well, I mean, yeah, the, I mean, Mazda's fantastic, but yeah, going before like the Miata was a car that I can't say I saw it. I was like, I want to get that car, but it was without a doubt super memorable, yeah. super super. And RX sevens before that, sure. Um, but going back farther. I think in a lot of the mid-60s, um, those old Ferraris back in that, mm-hmm. you know, real classic expensive stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, these days it's expensive. Just ridiculous. It's bananas. Um, but then on the other side is like the 70s sort of Italian, um, like the Bertone, yeah, oh, Lambo, yeah. like that whole – The wedge that, design The concept. wedge hole. Mm-hmm. That thing was just – I love the wedge uh, Ferraris. I
0: don't know why. Yeah? Like the um, – was it like the, those are the three three hundred eight GTC four or whatever it was five one two maybe no no even before, before that, that like then? the really wedge shaped ones yeah mm-hmm. like they made one that was like a, a it was like a two liter V eight version for the Italian market
1: the one yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and mm. it's just
0: yeah it looks like a doorstop
1: mm-hmm.
2: but I love it yeah those are those are rad yeah. those are so cool I mean that's just not I, I don't know if that's gonna happen again you no. know like that's just like that shape yeah super super cool.
0: One thing we were talking about, we had um, Camilo Pardo on, and um, we were talking about like uh, like the autonomous car thing. Mm. And one of the things that he brought up that that I thought was an interesting idea is that if we get in you know, get into these autonomous cars where they're driving themselves, and therefore safety isn't as much of a concern because you don't have you know a human trying Behind to control everything, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That in terms of design, that frees up the ability to make cars that are are more akin to kind of the design freedom that they had in the 60s and 70s so he, he, he surmised that you know maybe there would be this sort of return to like really beautiful cars um that are you know not not with the same constraints they have now like what what do you think about something like that I mean does that is that something that you would find exciting in terms of design but or, yeah.
2: Hmm, yeah no I mean the, the autonomous car thing it's it's loaded. nutty it's, it's a loaded it's, question it's loaded man <laughs> it's crazy and it just gets more and more loaded every like week especially obviously the, with CES and Detroit going yeah, on sure. right know, now there's like, a couple of things happening there right? yeah I think what was really special in the sixth I mean it was just a whole different kind of paradigm and what made those cars beautiful right away was like from a proportion standpoint mm-hmm. those cars yeah. are just gorgeous sure and i think unless packaging changes dramatically you know right now we're seeing a lot of the autonomous thing goes to that mono volume you saw the ff and yeah i mean there's a beauty to that shape but mm-hmm. to get back to the kind of proportion that is that iconic and sexy mm-hmm. honestly i don't know i i don't know i mean, Let's be honest. In the sixties, I think and by now we would have been up in our flying cars.
1: So I'm yeah. so glad that we're not in flying cars. I live in Los <laughs> Angeles, and as
0: such, I have to contend with people driving their strictly ground-based cars, and even those manage to get inverted sometimes. And right? It's terrifying. Could you trust somebody with an extra dimension to deal with? Like
1: that'd be the best thing ever.
3: Ugh. no, no, thank
0: you. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, I, I guess changing changing subject a little bit, like outside of um, like cars and, and, and car design like what are some other uh, uh, like areas of design that you enjoy like whether it's fashion
2: or uh, like industri- furch- industrial design yeah. furniture design like what are, what are some yeah. other stuff
0: that you, you enjoy
2: or, or, or some designers that you enjoy yeah I mean I don't think there's any design that I I don't get you know mm-hmm. enjoyment out of looking at it or researching it I mean with you know when you look for inspiration at the studio just the stuff that you find with the old internet it's mm-hmm. pretty incredible Fashion's always been a. I've really been into fashion ever since I was pretty young. There's a lot of um interesting fashion designers and just what's happening with that now and the way even the way like the business side of fashion works is really yeah, it's pretty, pretty intriguing. Interesting. Pretty interesting. Um, architecture. You know, architecture is always a good one. I went to school with a couple buddies that are now doing architecture and getting nice. to see what they work on and how how much of that's changing as well. You know, yeah. just the same with the automobile. It's kind of was the same for a hundred years, and now it's like, oh snap, things mm-hmm. are things are different. You know, I feel like with architecture, it's kind of in the same, same zone.
0: Sure, yeah. People are really trying to push, like, really push that envelope. I mean, even looking at like the exterior of our building, which yeah, yeah, know, love it or hate it, like it's it's definitely cool. not something you would have seen same like twenty before, years right. ago. Yeah, absolutely,
1: and sure. absolutely. And then, how does living here in Southern California do you think that impacts your design at all or your aesthetic, so to speak? yeah yeah i mean the,
2: without a doubt southern california i mean i i wanted to move here when i was young you know yeah mm-hmm. tnc surf design all like just like the surfers and skaters and all that Like just looked it just looked cool mm-hmm. and when you get here it, it is pretty cool i mean yeah. you got to deal with some some things you know yeah. it's, it's not cheap and there's a million people on the road with you at the same time but... and as you mentioned sometimes a little bit of smog occasionally yeah a little bit of smog um though that gets better every year yeah, it gets better and, it, you know, live by the water, mm-hmm. you know, like if you can live by the water, it definitely helps. We, I'm living in Long Beach now and it it definitely helps. You know, yeah. Pasadena, you're sort of in like, you're in a little bowl there. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I think just the freedom here and and especially just in the last few years, I mean, I guess it's this is very car related, but what's going on with the whole industry here in California, you know, mm-hmm. that kind of freedom and that sort of like, Blue sky, there is no limit. I think, you know, every studio around here. Yeah, they grabs onto that. Yeah, the concepts
1: that are coming out of here, especially in the Southern California, in the last say two years, Mm -hmm. have been incredible. Yeah, Yeah. I mean, not just from, for example, Mazda, but the other design houses as well. Absolutely, things they're putting out
2: there. It's like that's where that's the cars you want to see that people designing. They're coming from here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and the startup thing is, you know, is you cannot ignore it anymore. Obviously, with what Tesla started, and now you've got the FFs and Lucid and the Lucid.
0: That was a cool looking. Yeah, I I mean, very
2: very obviously professional, but just very comprehensive designs yeah. that are grounded in what, you know, kind of what we do. These guys come from traditional studios well, sure. and, and, and makes, so they just got that kind of professionalism, and they're not so blue sky that you're like, what the heck's going on around yeah. here? Yeah, But they push boundaries, and I guess that's the question. Is it the right boundaries, and are they, are they exploring the right things? But, yeah, in my opinion, I think, you know, some more successful than others, but I think they're all on the right page. Yeah. You know? And I
1: think it's good to have all those different things because then that, that lets everyone say not sort of play a catch up, but it just shows that, well, we can move these posts in different directions. Absolutely. And look, someone's done this. Why don't we try mm, this? I absolutely. Mean, it's, yeah. so many more options out there.
0: Yeah. yeah. Something I think that's really interesting um, and I've noticed as a trend over the last few years is that for a, a really long time, you, you'd see like a concept car you know, at an auto show or something. And you're like, that's pretty cool. They'll never build it. Never. Right. And then they didn't. But now you're seeing like a lot more of these concepts that are coming out. And then a couple of years later, like production cars are not totally different from the concepts, which is, mm. it just blows my mind. And I think it kind of ties into that thing where like it's, it's these like younger guys that are like, you know, uh, really like grounded traditionally, like they have like a traditional education or whatever and stuff. But they're, they're like still willing to like try and reach for things, but it's not so outlandish that it doesn't make sense. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I really, that's so cool. It's so exciting. Like, yeah.
2: I mean, it, it seems like it kind of, there's sort of this like curve to the the automotive design industry where mm-hmm. if you look at like the 80s, you know, the concepts were just bananas. Yeah. And then you would get like a Taurus or something. it was like, where's, what's going on? Like, where's the connection? Yeah and then i feel like that also even when i got out of school in oh like mid to, or early 2000s 2000 to 2007 or mm-hmm. 8 yeah the concepts were still pretty crazy they were still wild like yeah. nuts and i feel like after maybe the recession everyone just sort of like all right let's you know there's definitely an element to that that's mm-hmm. and it's it's worthwhile but i think now it's just translating concepts to production and sure. making that kind of lineage is is becoming really important to to consumers and
0: yeah yeah i think like I mean, really like one of the few companies I think that's that's still making really zany like crazy like they'll never build that concepts is like uh bmw is a good example yeah like a couple yeah. of years ago they did that z4 but the, the body was like fabric and it moved around and stuff
2: like yeah the Gino yeah,
0: yeah it's awesome it was awesome, the it
2: was idea awesome behind it. but it's yeah. like
0: i mean
1: that's not gonna be a thing right I just thought it'd be good for bank robberies, you know, you go in one car, come out with another one.
2: That's true. There you go. Yeah.
0: But even stuff like, I mean, like, like stuff like the RX vision, like we talked about earlier, like it's such a beautiful design. It's, it's just, it's long and it's low and it's everything mm-hmm. you'd want a concept to be, but it's not so far out of the realm of possibility that it's not, right. you the, know, if
1: Mazda chose to, they could go down that design route. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I like
2: that. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah.
1: Get it done, Joe. Do it. Oh, Pull trying, on. trying. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Jack, you've got the, uh,
2: you've got the juice now. Yeah. So.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, thank you again for uh, taking some time out of your day. Busy really designing cars. It. And
2: No, thank you guys yeah, so much yeah. for having me. Yeah, and Always enjoyable talking to you it's nice. chaps.
0: Well, yeah, we enjoy having you around. Um, and thank you guys for joining us for yet another Car Stories podcast. Um, we're really pumped to be able to do this for you week after week. Uh, I mean, granted, I think and this is true probably for you too, James, but it's just an excuse to talk to people that we find in- interesting. Very true. And it's totally self-serving. So mm, and we really enjoy it. That's right. We do. Uh, But yeah, so stay tuned. Um, We're going to have an interview with uh, another gentleman from Mazda coming up directly after this one. So uh, stay tuned. Hello, welcome to the Car Stories podcast. James and I are still at Mazda. It's still exciting. We're still pumped to be here. But now we're with a different person. We've uh, we sent Jack packing. And uh, we we now are sitting down with uh, Mr. J. Chen, which is Super exciting because uh, if that name sounds familiar, you uh, are probably super into um, uh, like Japanese car nerdery. You may have paid attention to a little magazine called uh, Sport Compact Car, um, and uh, we're really pumped because we're gonna just it's gonna Pepe, be pepper him with questions, onslaught of nerdery. So <laughs> one after the other, after the other. There you go. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, oh, thank you. Yeah. So um, first of all, kind of, we always like to start. Uh, where one naturally does at the beginning.
3: How did uh, how did you get get into cars? Mm-hmm. I, I think it's a genetic thing. Yeah, honestly, uh, uh, you're born with it. Playing with matchbox cars and everything. You know if your kid's got it or he doesn't have it. But mm-hmm. I had it and uh, always wanted cars. Turned 16. You know, I was fortunate enough to have a uh, a Mazda for that matter. Mazda three two three. Yep, that was my first car. What year? Uh, Eighty six. Yeah, eighty six. It was the DX. I think it was the DX version. It only
1: had one little side mirror. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, Why do you need two? It's the I still race, think it's overrated it's it's because it's race car. It's for exactly lightweight. Light yeah, <laughs> I mean that's when they were winning world rallies, right? Yeah,
3: yeah. So yeah, it, it just it's always in your blood. I think you guys can relate, and uh, you definitely, know, definitely you, you want to play. And uh, um, other other kids had uh, money to play with cars, and I didn't. But you know, you started reading these crazy magazines and. Mm-hmm. Uh, ironically i uh, really turned on to a sport compact car you know that was the holy grail in the bible and there's this weird guy dave coleman that mm-hmm. you know just it's like wow this guy's got the coolest job in the world so yeah. you know that and uh, you go start chasing your dreams and um gosh what did i do i was still driving my 323 but i got a job at uh, at new speed it was in my hometown very nice okay hustling parts for them and then uh yeah just on and off i think uh That's how I started in cars. Mm -hmm. Um, Afterwards, I think, you know, going through school, engineering and all that, still rooting sport compact car. uh, It's kind of a weird path because I was both following engineering and also, you know, quite enamored by sure. media and uh, sure. you know, those guys at Road & Track. I actually had a, a internship in college at Road & Track. Oh, awesome. You know, and then uh, I was begging Patrick on. I was like, please, 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 let me let me, <laughs> let, let me, stay. me stay. Yeah, let me be the new guy for you guys. You know, I'll <laughs> scrub toilets. It's all Whatever good. you need, yeah. Yeah, it didn't pan out that way, but it's kind of funny how things kind of came around. Uh, the new Speed Connection set me up after a couple of years with... Uh, um, The uh, people at the magazines, uh, European Car Magazine Mm -hmm, at the mm -hmm. time, uh, they had an engineering spot open or engineering editor spot open. So I had an engineering degree. I was out of a gig and I went there and uh, man, it was the night before the interview was the most nerve wracking because I was just sleepless like. I knew what kind of job it could potentially be. Yep, you know, like seeing what the journalist life was—driving whatever cars.
1: Exactly, for sure. yeah. a journalist yeah. lifestyle: long flowing locks blowing in the wind, those convertibles, <laughs> sunny climates. Oh, until about six months afterwards. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, completely jaded.
3: And then yeah. everyone yeah. bald. That's, exactly <laughs> <right>. that's winter. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, why is my why is my steak is not big enough? Exactly. Like, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, so I I landed the job at the European Car. Um, I was you know twenty. 24 25 out of engineering jobs and stuff and then uh man suddenly like they handed me the keys to a 996 uh, c4s and take it home
1: yeah and you were like no <laughs>
3: <laughs>
1: that is terrible yeah well, all-wheel
3: drive porsche
1: no 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 yeah. no
3: uh, and i've never really driven a nice porsche i was still you know coming out of sure, sure. i mean driving an integra back then was a nice thing you know i was like wow yeah, i've gone upscale yeah. well that's yeah, they made a nice integra back then Yeah, that's true um but, uh, yeah, driving a Porsche, and then, you know, I, of course, I had to try for myself to really exp- experience a lift throttle oversteer. Mm-hmm. Sure. Thank God for PASM. It was on, <laughs> and it yeah. saved my butt from a very, probably a career-changing job. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> <laughs> like a career-changing event. Um, but, yeah, so that was a European car, and uh, um, it, it was really nice because it allowed me to finally travel the world, mm-hmm. see a lot of things, drive a lot of cars. You know, um, I was living in this ratty apartment with my brother in uh, Huntington Beach at the time. And I was parking in the back alley. Again, truly living the journalist lifestyle. Exactly that, you know. (laughs) But then, you know, I was parking the Porsche in the back alley. People were looking like, what is wrong with you? And then one day I came home with the uh, Continental GT, Mm -hmm. the Bentley that just released. Yep. So... You know, I was which now him. wouldn't really find out a place in
1: Huntington Beach uh, right yeah. you know
3: it's so common it's like well you got the baseball <laughs> yeah um, but uh, I was in there and then uh, you know pulled it into the alley people looked at me weird on the street people were looking at well actually my friends were saying man you look like a valet like a rogue <laughs> valet <you know? laughs> that's not what you want to hear so <laughs> it's not good but uh, you know that was those were the kind of highlights you know or taking your basket of laundry to the, to the uh, laundromat uh, you know the coin laundromat in the Bentley and mm-hmm. people were like yeah Hmm? that's what is wrong with this guy it's the houseboy doing it maybe yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing you 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 kind
0: of touched on your your first car being a Mazda um it seems like a lot of people that are auto enthusiasts like really hardcore car people mm-hmm. that I, that i've met have had like Mazdas as their first cars like do you, what why do you think like do you think that there's like what it is that like that draws people to 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 the brand like at that age like i mean granted like your your first Mazda was probably a lot nicer than mine mine was a, a 1983 RX-7 with carburetor and uh it was very brown and it had a very <laughs> leaky sunroof and I lived in Washington state so oh just perpetually smelled like a boat um Fantastic. yeah it was nice but uh you know but it was great like that like there no power steering like just the, you know this incredible experience like wonderful gearbox and like just you know, a broken gas gauge. So that taught me self-reliance, and also gave me a lot of a <laughs> lot of exercise walking to the gas station. And oh yes, pushing it around, you know. But like it's just yeah, it's, it's one of those things. Like a lot of people seem to gravitate towards them.
3: I think in my case, actually, it's I, I would think of it more as serendipity because mm-hmm. I actually didn't cho- choose that car. I, I wanted a brand new Civic. SI hatchback mm-hmm. of course you did time, well who right? wouldn't what year right. would have been what year it would have been a 95 that was like when oh, i graduated so high school. yeah that was when they were
1: good that was the peak that peak was time. the
3: car to time. have yeah i wanted a yellow one of course sure yeah. gotta make a statement right well and and didn't know anything about cars back then and people you know kids rumor mills like yeah honda actually makes them in yellow that you could custom order at the factory <laughs> knowing what you know nowadays it's like <laughs> what no. are you smoking no, <laughs> no. that doesn't happen <laughs> no it didn't work like that <laughs> yeah. um but no, it was uh you know a uh, typical uh Asian brat, my mom bought me a brand new car or or a used car for mm-hmm. my first car, but uh um it was the three two three manual steering, which kind of you know made you appreciate it a little bit more mm-hmm. sure um, and just ran and ran and ran um you know, and when you're seventeen years old, you don't have any issues with trying to take the car up to a hundred and fifty miles an hour and mm-hmm.
1: you know mean just it, trying to get to sixty five sometimes can be uh a- Challenge when you're seventeen.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I took I took my RX seven um up to I think I, I just crested hundred miles an hour.
1: And that was on a closed
0: road, of course,
1: wasn't right, it? Right. Oh, yeah, naturally. Yeah. And yeah.
0: uh and the martial conditions. Of course. With flag boy was there. Yeah. That no, was one of the most harrowing experiences of my life. I'm pretty sure I saw like beyond through the veil of mortality and into the afterlife <laughs> as my like electrical taped on uh driver's side mirror was like rattling and the front started to lift and get Ooh. very light. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: This is enough of this for me. Yeah. Well, no, ignorance is bliss, because I mean, like, you have no reference of vehicle dynamics, and totally. all. It's like, hey, I'm just gonna stay in it. I'm gonna yeah, stay in I'm it, and okay.
0: yeah, i transfer. Well, I'm a down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, uh, I guess <laughs> getting getting back on topic a little bit, um, like, uh, so uh, your experience at European Car uh, as a first journalist experience that mm-hmm. seems pretty decent. I mean, yeah. like, getting to to take home you know Porsches and Bentleys and. Yeah. Even Volkswagens. You no, know, it,
3: they, they were all great. Um, nice stuff. You know, my first press trip was, uh, you know, Malaga, Spain, watching the sunrise over the Mediterranean. Uh,
1: Again, we're, we're crying here because it's such a horrible, horrible yeah. experience to have. Mm-hmm.
3: Well, and, 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 you know, in, in a way, the good old days of, of the car business and press trips are, are kind of drying up. Like yeah, the big international sure. press leads are, are, are gone. And so um, there's so many more journalists now and, mm-hmm. and all that. So I, I consider myself to be lucky uh to be still at the very end of the print era Mm -hmm. and uh also you know slightly touching upon the era of photography where it wasn't photoshop it was it was just you shoot it as it is you set it up and you shoot it so i'm kind of an old school guy in that way Mm -hmm. but um at european car lots of cool things but in the adjacent office were these guys josh jaco dave coleman you know Scott Oldham, and they were always having such crazy adventures and modifying cars, working on cars. Of mm-hmm. course, the Europeans wouldn't let us touch our, oh, sure. our our fleet cars and stuff, right? Understandably so. Um, but then, uh, yeah, it was always itching. Ever since I was reading the magazines when mm-hmm. I was, when I was uh, in high school, it's like, man, this would be the dream job. So mm-hmm. then, Coleman decides to go. Hey, I'm moving on to Mazda. <laughs> So there was suddenly a vacancy and, uh, I mean, big spot to fill. Yeah, and, for sure. Uh, um, you know, there was transitions here and there and everybody wanted to try to find the right guy to keep a sport compact car going with the right voice in there. Um, they didn't. Yeah. And eventually, just by attrition, I kind of weaseled my way into the spot knowing, you know, what needed to be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had learned a lot of the testing and everything from Dave and Josh from from back then already. So, uh, you know. There, I was finally at my dream job. Then, once you achieve your dreams, you realize, well, hey, this really isn't quite what <laughs> I thought it was, and stuff. But it was great because I was finally able to work on cars, and sure. able to modify cars. I was able to uh, build up uh, my own fun cars, mm-hmm. um, you know, because yeah, they don't pay in actual salary; they just pay in car parts or yeah, something. Pretty much, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's how I ended up at Sport Compact Car, which was um, it's not bad. Yeah, in, in a way, a little sad that, like, uh, you know, back in my twenties, that was probably the highlight of my life. Well, you know, looking back, right? Yeah, then, well, I'm it's sure, a good yeah. highlight to have. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's a pretty good one. But uh, still, I mean, if you're going to get to the top of a mountain, that's not a bad one to. <laughs> not <laughs> at all. You know. Um, so, like, talking about your own, like, your personal cars that that you got to uh, engage with and and mm-hmm. work on and that kind of stuff. What are some of the the stuff you've had over the years? Like some of your favorite projects?
3: So, I'm 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 a very uh, I get emotionally attached to these, these things, right? Well, sure. And uh, so we all, we all do. That's yeah. The, the The Mazda finally went because uh, um, I had purchased myself a uh, 240SX mm-hmm. in '97 when everybody was still going front-wheel drive crazy. And mm-hmm. eh, something's like, hmm. Nobody races with these wrong-wheel drive cars. What's maybe they know something that, that everybody else hasn't figured out? So I get a rear drive car. Um, this is before drifting and all that. You mm-hmm. know, I thought just rear drive was proper proper handling. Sure. Um, got a two hundred and forty SX, and then uh, got rid of the three hundred and twenty three prior to it uh, uh, finally uh, giving up. I, I never did any service to it, so it <laughs> because you were a,
1: a kid and it was your first car, right? Well, I, I, would I you need to oil change? Yeah, you know? I mean, it still works. Why do I need to do something? Yeah, I always yeah. thought that when the oil comes out, the thicker it is and the stickier it is, the better. It's right. Right. more protective. Yeah, exactly. If it's, if it's not yeah. broke, coating it properly then. Yeah, that's right.
3: But no, I mean, props to that Mazda. I can't believe it ran as well as it did. Um, I maybe did one or two oil changes to my knowledge on that car Mm -hmm. over over a five-year period. (laughs) um the one time I did try to do some work on it. I was like oh hey timing belt hey
1: yeah I could try that then just get your just just get your your, your toe wet a little bit just, yeah. just don't don't jump right first in. first thing you should do that's what timing I, belt. I would, it's what i would in fact that should be a, a message from the podcast here if you ever want to just start working a car first thing you should do <laughs> front wheel drive or front wheel drive car timing <laughs> yeah, belt that's exactly, yeah, exactly seems like a sensible option guys just you, you get that 10 dollar toolkit, done yeah easy I, <laughs> I think
3: it's like it, I was at the parts store as well I had a squeaky belt so mm-hmm okay, I'll get a, I'll get the pulley belts, right? I was like, well, what other belts are there? like, well, there's this timing belt. I was like, okay, well, I'll change that too at the yeah. same time as right? Right. well you're all, while yeah. you're in there. Did, right. they,
1: did they ask if it was an automatic <laughs> or a manual? Uh, a stick no, or a...
3: nothing. Nothing at all. Yeah. I <laughs> that was the,
1: the regular question. Is it a stick or an order? A... When you go to a parts store.
3: Well, I mean, it
0: depends on what you're buying. Yeah, it doesn't matter.
1: So it doesn't matter. Is it a stick or an auto? First question I ask. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> if
3: you say automatic, they say get out. Exactly. You don't belong here.
0: Go to the dealer. Yeah.
3: Uh, well, no, it was it was a good old uh, automatic, it, it, and uh, well, nice. it was, I wanted to stick, but uh, you know.
1: So you did. The, so anyway, so getting back to yeah. your yeah. changing to, of the timing belt, which uh, went like obviously smooth like a dream. I'm guessing. Yeah,
3: I I got the front plastic cover off the uh, pulleys. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait, how do I get this belt around this big metal chunk thing? Oh man, I'm not going to be able to do this. So I gave up on it. But I had already untensioned the uh, the, the belt. <laughs> I, I, and I knew nothing about timing. I thought it was just, sure. it was just change the belt, right? Yeah, it's nothing of course. It. Cool. Yeah. So I retensioned the belt and, uh, um, you know, I was off at college and I was driving and finally uh, the belt broke because I over tensioned it. And I was so angry, so angry. It's like, Mom, you got me this crappy car, blah, blah, blah. It's <laughs> like, could never my fault. God. Connected the dots a couple of years later, but uh, it got repaired. Thank, thank God, it wasn't an interference motor. Nothing hurt. You know, no that's, big a, deal. that's a rarity even then. I think. Yeah, yeah. So, um, I, I, maybe I did get maybe it was. Yeah, I'm not sure, but I didn't bend any valves. So well, either could, way, you were lucky. Yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, that car slowly went, and I got the 240, and then after the 240, that was my college years. I was poor. I just kept on looking at catalogs and turbo kits and mm, this and mm-hmm. that.
1: Um, Kyle still does to this day. <laughs> looks at things like that
3: constantly. You know, I miss those things. You know, it's yeah. not. It's like that old Nopi catalog inside, oh, yeah. inside the uh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the mm-hmm. magazines. That was the best. You know, mm-hmm. wow, they make this for my car. Yeah. I'm all gonna the, get. I'm the, gonna get
0: that. I'm gonna get that. That's nice thing. When I I always wanted a car that I could like modify. But <laughs> but like being you know like 17 and having my RX-7. Like the only mm-hmm. person, that, the only people that were making stuff for my car were like Mazda Tricks mm-hmm. and. You know, being in like if you know down here, like oh, it's just over in Long Beach; it's not a big deal, whatever. But being up in the Northwest, it's like, man, I don't know, I don't, I, mean, I don't really have like six hundred dollars to send for this like header. Why is it? 6 <laughs> It's got two pipes. Why is it? It's like, what's the deal? And like, you just just like w- just like wishing, wishing for like you know the ability to do that. So I always wanted a Civic,
3: and I never, thankfully, I never it got w- one. It would have been nice. Yeah, and, and I think I could totally relate because. The nice part about the 240 back then was that nobody made parts for the KA engine, right? Mm-hmm. So I would troll the Japanese magazines and this and that to get suspension. Oh, sure. And learn brake tricks and all that. But like, I asked the Japanese, like, "Well, do you have an intake?" Like, K824. What is this? Why don't we don't even know what this motor is. <laughs> um, which actually was a great saving grace because that meant that I didn't do anything you mechanically. Didn't, you didn't blow it up. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't do anything stupid to it. And but, left some money in your
1: pockets. Yeah a little bit at least
3: uh, eventually you know i got saved up some money and excess uh, engineering made, made a turbo kit i attempted bolting it on myself it actually went um mm-hmm. it went on uh one big mistake was leaving the towel inside the uh, exhaust <laughs> exhaust manifold <laughs> to a turbo and everything's all bolted together like son of a so you gotta tear it all apart and just get tweezers in there or pliers to so pull that t- towel out <laughs> that was a fun memory um but yeah, that was a that was an interesting lesson because I'm 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 more of a cautious type guy, so I'm always afraid to break things. Mm-hmm. Whereas uh, I had a friend with me who was just like Tasmanian devil, just tore everything apart without any thought about how to do it. So it was a learning lesson that was like, yeah, with cars you gotta have even some balls to start tearing into it. Right? Sure, you know. Um, so yeah, turbocharged that, then uh, drove it until I got the magazine jobs, and after that, I've never really driven my own cars since.
1: Well, that that's convenient. But what are your own cars, Jay? right? So uh, the
3: 240 has always been the, uh, the the first. It's like the first son. Mm-hmm. Um, bled more for that, and more pains learning through that. And then after uh, that, do you still, do you still lots still have of straight knuckles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. wow. Yeah, um, my wife has fortunately have has not forced me to sell any of my cars. That's nice. It's um, a good wife. Yeah, it is, like, but you know, practicality and just having this car sitting in the driveway mothballed and yeah. Um well, a, still K still a KA car? It's KA Turbo now. Yeah. You know? But I mean
0: that's makes it kind of a rarity anymore. Everybody's buying like crappy boxed Jay, up twenty. Uh, Jay,
1: Jay knows that he's got someone sat at this table that would like to take that car off his hands mm-hmm. if he it, ever it, it's gets you, forced to maybe. Yeah. Just well, don't tell the wife. Yeah.
3: No, I'm <laughs> I'm ready. To, I I've grown up to the next point that, you know what? As much as I love it, it's like eh. Yeah, well, you, so here's my sales pitch. Yeah, If you guys, anybody listening, interested in a nice, clean 95k turbo.
1: We'll have white? to wrestle me for it first. And okay. then we can see yeah. where it goes. It's yeah. true. Yeah. And you yeah. don't
3: want to do that
0: because James is very wiry. He's a wiry guy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I learned from the best, Kyle. That's right.
3: Uh, crocodile Dundee. Yeah, that's
1: right. Um, <laughs> and then <laughs> the so aside, aside from the 240.
3: Aside from the 240. Uh, got into the magazine business, uh, drove mostly other people's cars. So then I could buy cars that I don't have to drive, which suddenly widens the entire horizon, right? Mm-hmm. That is freeing, I would imagine. Yeah. Um, so what did I buy? I, I bought, yeah, this is like, I got into initial D and blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Everybody else had taken up all the cool project cars. What else? Where was I going to scan parts for? All right. I'm going to buy myself a Corolla. Sure. Mm-hmm.
1: So, and you became a sushi delivery driver?
3: God. Yeah, well, mine, <laughs> mine was like the most embarrassing one. It was, it was it was the red ones, but you know how sure. the old Toyota paint kind of faded into a oh, nice yeah. brick orange? Yes. And then uh, um, somebody has the wisdom to, instead of replacing the hood, straight painting the hood flat black. Which well, sure. Was, okay. You know, so. Um, but yeah, it was uh, that car. Spent a lot of money, time. Well, actually, not that much money. <laughs> <laughs> but I put a lot of things into it. And, uh, you know, that was when I started going to the racetrack, um, you know, doing, doing just track days and all that. Uh, and I kept on getting passed by everybody. No, I mean, the car on the skid pad would pull like 1.05 average G. Mm-hmm. and So it would hold its own in the corners, but it was kind of pointless, you know? Like the Evos would just fly by on, and I started on getting frustrated. Yeah. yeah. Sure. yeah. Um, and... The only time I ever passed anybody in that car out at Patton Wallow was on a point by with a Miata in full lift. And I still <laughs> needed the entire front straight to get to in. catch up. Yeah. yeah. And I was still dive bombing into the, the brake zone. So well, that's,
0: that's the thing yeah. about like the 4AGE. It's a lot of uh, a lot of sound and fury signifying not a lot else. Exactly. And I'm yeah. oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, but I mean, like it's a great sounding engine.
3: But yeah, they don't. They don't do much. They, they don't. And, you know, cams and all that, I, I, I couldn't. I had the TRD gearbox. I had the final drive. I actually purchased the S2000 engine that was oh, nice. ready to go in. Um, transmission cluster, everything was ready. And then... You saw sense. And then what happened? SCC died. Oh. All right our sec was on its way out and so i quit that project car that's probably not a terrible idea at that point yeah and my wife didn't like the gear one like she wrote it at one time we were still dating then but she's like i don't ever want to ride in that car there was no insulation (laughs) there were still holes in the firewall so driving up to button willow and in in the early morning for a winter track session i was freezing i had to put my hands onto the transmission tunnel to try to stay warm (laughs) sure
1: um, and, I, and your girlfriend at the time, now your wife, would appreciate things like that, like a warm <laughs> transmission to to keep you there. Yeah, It was uh, so she
3: she was very happy to let that go. Okay. But in the interim, I did pick up a, uh, a NSX, mm-hmm. um, and now uh, I got an old Beater '91, and even at that time, from a friend, it was uh, twenty thousand dollars. Yeah, you know, and that was like pretty beat up with the beat up, fairly high mileage. Um, Some people had already torn into it, done this and that. But as one of the final project cars at at my old job, I kind of redid it, painted it, champ champ white, Mm -hmm. or redid everything. And that literally broke me. I think I probably spent fair market value, probably another $30,000 onto that car. Wow. You know, redoing the, the... the hoses all the seals all mm-hmm. these old mm-hmm. interior parts interior parts of what is what kills you on the nsx sure. i imagine yeah um rebuild the transmission put all the new japanese gearing and blah mm-hmm. blah 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 blah. so now did it, but did it have the snorkel no no oh, yeah. i love the snorkel yeah i and At one point, we were working with Spoon for for a story. And Mm -hmm. uh, um, uh, the guy, I forgot his name, the the head guy at Spoon, he was working with Honda because he he was all chummy with them and everything. He got access. He was going to bring the RGTs back over. And so he was buying NSXs from the U.S. and Japan, refurbishing them to Mm R-Spec, putting a turbocharger on them. And also, he had the leftover parts from the RGT, including... Not, not just the R's with the dry carbon hoods and mm-hmm. the wings and all that, but also the RGT bumpers and scoops oh, and all that.
1: Perfect. So cool.
3: Yeah. But, you know, the thing is, I lost all respect for that scoop because when we tested that car for Sport Compact, I looked into a scoop. It was double taped onto the glass rear. There yeah. was no airflow. So, but it was a very cool looking car. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. know, you can't beat that. Yeah. Um but it's probably better i didn't go in that direction because uh you know nsx you're better off leaving them alone as stock as yeah you can. now yeah, yeah nowadays you're better off leaving them alone and yeah. uh so mine's fairly stock looking just a gearbox na headers and all that
1: and just probably a lot tidier now and in better condition than when you first acquired it oh yeah
3: yeah um yeah it's a almost a pity to take to the track um but it's already chipped up enough that you know i'll have to repaint sure. it eventually but enjoy it's it. It's, it's enjoyable and I think after after finally driving that car manual steering mid-engine mm-hmm. um now like i get into like even an s2000 or my 350 and mm-hmm. it's just like ah, that's kind of boring like couple couple of sessions i'm like ah, i'm done for the day sure um just just how engaged you are when you're driving
0: um it's there's... always been yeah, it's always been one of my cars that's like on the list of things i need to drive before yeah. i die or become unable to drive a car or something like it's but it hasn't
1: happened yet, and yeah. you have to do it in Gucci loafers. Well, yeah, it's the only way to drive it. You're I mean, sure. I thought that's the standard attire when you got in an NSX; was mm-hmm. you magically brown Gucci loafers <laughs> appeared at your feet, and that's a little right. camera was there <laughs> to see exactly how you heel and toe. That's exactly right. <laughs> you become Brazilian for twenty minutes, yes, and of course. Yes. Yes. Yeah.
3: yeah. Um, so yeah, so you got the you got the NSX. Yep, and uh, um, I, I got a three hundred and fifty. That was uh, also another uh, project car. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the idea was to try to built it to beat a Z06 on track at the time. So that was like a C606. Okay. Well, originally uh, I was going to downgrade it to try to beat it lap time wise on a, a C5. Everybody kind of knew it was a pipe dream, but mm-hmm. it was one way to kind of get momentum for a story that we had a goal. Sure. You know, this is what sure. we're after, but yeah, twin turbocharged, blah, blah, blah. Now that's yet another garage queen. I mean, basically all these cars can't fit my two kids. So they all sit <laughs> completely. Nice. Yeah.
0: So how did you, uh, uh, transition from the journalist side over
1: to the engineering side. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's uh, I think it's when you're a journalist, um, there's always this, uh, haloed vision of the guys on the OE side. Mm -hmm. Um, and for me being a journalist was, or, or anything was always a quest for knowledge. Um, it wasn't so much, well, I drove this or I drove that, or I've been here, I've been done that. It's like, you know, how much more can I learn about cars? Sure. Right. And you know, the more you learn, the more you realize, man, I really know nothing. Um, so, anytime I had a chance to talk to the OE engineers, it was it was great learning experience for me. And mm-hmm. now, in retrospect, it's like, and I mean, this no offense, but like being on the inside and doing what you do every day when you talk to journalists, it's like I can't even impart, yeah, just a fraction of what what I'm trying to to get through to you, you know. Sure. So, and not not to say that you know, it's yeah. just time and no, time it's and experience ex- ex- and we'd exposure. agree. I
1: yeah. mean, we find, for example, that Kyle and I we get a fantastic opportunity here on the podcast to meet some people like yourselves and other people and we found we learn so much that we never knew before about things yeah and i mean i spent basically all of my free time reading about cars much i mean i think carl the most knowledgeable person i know on anything basically and uh even well, he learns you don't know that something. many people so that's I, I don't know any yeah just me just you
0: yeah no but no but it, and still yeah like there's you know talking to people on the podcast kind like, i think i, I just i learned so much all the time and it's fantastic um so yeah
3: so, uh, sorry we we we, no. we interrupted but uh no. so, yeah so you you
0: you, you transferred over you, you 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 jumped ship you you made it to the oe
3: yeah i i did a uh, brief stop with a kw suspension mm-hmm. a german suspension manufacturer it was it was a it was a dual engineer, North American engineer slash media role. So sure. that was a transition, and then uh, after that, uh, um, I found my uh, first OE gig at uh, Kia Motors. Okay, yeah, and uh, that was you know big time. We're 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 in the OE and all that, um, and uh, yeah, I grew. I did my thing, uh, but um, just uh, I wasn't necessarily as excited about the product. Yeah. you know, um, it sense. was it was more mass market appeal, more appliance like. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and uh,
1: and they didn't have the Stinger yet. <laughs> it's true. Yeah.
3: Well, we saw the concepts. We we were excited about that, uh, the Stinger or uh, another. Well, I think it just unveiled over at uh, uh, yeah. Detroit, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's there's interesting cars and platforms coming through, but there's also there's there's a lot of fundamentals of of, of uh, vehicle dynamics and everything. That, Certainly, right, th- those things are are very touchy-feely things that takes a lot of time to learn and, 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 sure. and figure out.
1: Sure. And I would assume obviously Kia being a fairly new mm-hmm. OEM as mm-hmm. well would it be playing doing a lot of that behind the scenes as well that we would never get to hear and never get to know about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And,
3: and even even just in the time that we did work there was or I, I was working there I mean the, as we moved from hydraulic steering to uh, electric steering you know mm-hmm. just that that entire learning process was oh was yeah that's huge, huge yeah and the progress made is is tremendous you know i mean the the delta or the gap between mm-hmm. the entry brands versus the more experienced brands mm-hmm. are, is definitely shortening um or, or a lot less now so yeah um talk about
0: journalists favorite things to complain about electric power steering yeah. but it seems like
3: it's getting a lot better very quickly it, it's, it's very good um, I, I guess there's there's two general paths, and, and, you know, I should probably uh, talk more about Mazdas here. But uh, um, a lot of electric steering setups, they try to, how do you say, art- artificially put in the returns yeah. well. yeah, yeah, yeah. and on all that to hide the fact that the car maybe has less caster trail. Mm-hmm. It, it, does, it doesn't, It you know. All these ge- geometry things that they made other compromises for for rolling resistance or mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, but anyway, yeah, there's two different approaches for it, and uh, um, you know Mazda has typically been maintained its position as a more driver oriented, driver feeling car because we didn't want to compromise on efforts. We didn't want to compromise on caster. Um, you know, it, it was always the references. Always, does this feel like it should? Mm-hmm um so yeah i lost my point <laughs> no, that's all right that's interesting though because
0: um talking about being kind of driver focused and, and stuff and, and, and really taking a lot of time to work out that that feel or that there's 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 a certain sort of like um liveliness or playfulness and even mm. even in like like a basic like like you're just like base model mazda 3 it's still a fun car yeah
1: the mazda 3 is a great car to drive it's fantastic. Like
0: I mean the, the thing is is like you know n- none of the cars that you guys make are are big power cars. Mm-hmm. Like that's never I mean probably not since I mean the RX7 the third gen RX7 was probably that's the probably last it. like yeah. yeah yeah. Like but there <clears throat> like everything else is so good like everything else works together so well it's not fighting all that power so you can you can just sort of sharpen everything else and make it And make it really enjoyable and that's that's super cool that's something that not a lot
3: of people do because everybody's focusing on like more power more power more power right but But there are times um you know i'm I'm on the powertrain side so i mean there are things that like uh, when we do uh, automatic transmission calibrations and shift Mm -hmm. schedules like man you know if we just had more torque then then we could stretch this gear out that much longer Then i i wouldn't have to have such a busy shift pattern sure there are certain advantages but as as a company our identity really is just you know i wouldn't call it minimalistic but um extract the most out of what you have, mm-hmm, right? Sure. Um, and so that extends, like you said, from all from our Mazda threes all the way up to our sports platforms and even our regular platforms. Um, I remember when I first started at Mazda, I got in the car and I was like, Wow, this is so good. And this was just a Mazda six, a regular old Mazda six. And mm-hmm. my wife's like, Man, in five years I haven't heard you say, Wow, this is so <laughs> good. Um, and it is, it is. It's, it's something that we spend a lot of time here trying to identify and quantify, which mm-hmm. is a very natural humanistic instinct. That's. It's under our Tai umbrella, yeah. you know, man, horse has one, but there's mm-hmm. actually a science behind it. Just like uh, how we pick up a glass of water or something, the motions are smooth. Uh, we call it minimum jerk. We, sure. We've learned as babies to to be the most efficient in that motion. And so your body adapts to all these things and uh, um, naturally it knows what feels right. Mm-hmm. And so, when a vehicle responds, the control loop between you, the vehicle, and the feedback—when that's naturally right, your body knows it. And even as engineers, it's actually very difficult for us to quantify
4: no, specifically
3: what it is that that feels so right. But I think we all know, and the average person out there driving knows. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just that they don't have the pleasure of of uh, how do you say going a to b. You know? Yeah, yeah. If, if you grew up driving this car and this is your only point of reference, well you know, you wouldn't know.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Not everybody gets to to play the field, so yeah. to speak. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Um, so you, as you, you mentioned, you work in, in, in powertrain development and you do like, you are talking about like automatic transmission, mm-hmm. um, shift schedules, that mm-hmm. kinds of things. Like what other, what other sorts of stuff um, are you doing with, with within the powertrain? Um, like, because again, as I said, you know, not necessarily always in the quest for more power, there are a lot of interesting sort of powertrain technologies that, that Mazda mm-hmm. brings out. I mean, the SkyActive stuff is mm-hmm. really fantastic. Fa- it's yeah, really fascinating. The,
1: the ability that you've done since introducing SkyActive of how you've been able to improve that mile per gallon figure and things like that—that that I'm assuming are pretty much key aspects of what you're doing in that drivetrain. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's amazing what you've been able to done over the couple of years where that's been mm-hmm. for the forefront, I should say.
3: Yeah, I, so my. How do I say we're already very, as Mazda, North American operations, we're already very fortunate, whether it be powertrain or chassis or whichever side that mm-hmm. That Mazda Japan already delivers up to us a very capable platform, right? Sure. What we do here is on the tuning side to adapt it for our market needs. Sure. That makes sense. Um, what I do specifically, in addition to how a transmission shifts, when it shifts, um, is also how basically we call it performance feel. Mm-hmm. Does what the view does what your foot does match what the vehicle does okay um directness back to Tai mm-hmm. and that's very, very critical, especially for our southern california uh area well, we do tuning for all of north america, but in in some ways, Southern California is the most demanding in terms of driving reaction response, and directness. Because we travel at, one, very high speeds. Mm -hmm. Two, it's very dense, it's very aggressive, and we have very close vehicle distances. That makes a lot of sense.
1: And that's what I see when Kyle gets behind the wheel. I see all those three (laughs) things happen. (laughs) I must drive flat out, James. They've only got two speeds. Stop and fast. Yeah, hammer down. That's me. And
3: it's incrementally faster and faster as, as time progresses. I remember when I was driving when I was young, I was the fastest guy you Mm -hmm. know 85 85 is the norm now oh yeah right and the distances are closer and you know i'm driving around with the with the accelerometer in the car i'm looking at the numbers all the time and i'm looking at the accelerations and not only the accelerations but also the rate of change of the accelerations that you're feeling Mm -hmm. and it's incrementally more and more and when our german counterparts come over here it's like man you californians are insane (laughs) right the thing is, they know car control. They know how to oh, drive. Yeah, they, for sure. they, but they're very courteous about it. And so when they come here, they adapt immediately. But it's like, man, there's the G thresholds and stuff that you guys are breaking to accelerating at. This is, this mm-hmm. is just insane. It's unsafe. So, knowing all these things, we still try to tune our little two liter or two point five liter engines to be able to respond, um, and work in this environment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even for say Mexico City, high altitude, super ultra aggressive, oh, low yeah, speed sure. at least. Um, we do all the tuning to try to make sure that our cars can perform in that environment. And uh, um, when when you go back to back to a lot of other brands, and I don't know why they do what they do, um, they seem to have really doled out their their response. Mm-hmm. Like we said, Hondas used to be really great, the old Integras and all oh that. yeah, they, mm-hmm. they're, they're very direct. Now, when you look at um, and, and I don't say this in a bad thing. I, I'm sure it's very intentional, but uh, Hondas or other more mass appeal cars, their calibrations, their response timings is all quite a bit more. Maybe it's to compensate for the soccer mom yelling at the kids sure. or, or this person talking on the phone, but it's almost a very digital throttle pedal.
0: Yeah, no, it is, it is really, really strange kind of having driven... Yeah, like every I'll, I'll jump in one every every once in a while, and, and it is very there's not a lot of correlation. Like it definitely requires the driver
3: to like recalibrate. Right. Yeah. And and so I think as experienced drivers we might feel some frustration, but as non-experienced drivers they wouldn't know the difference. Mm-hmm. Just like a lot of people don't know what the feeling of a manual throttle feels like. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Or eventually some people people will not know what manual steering. Or hydraulic steering feels like mm-hmm. it's just the evolution in how we learn as, as humans and soon we probably won't be even uh, driving ourselves for the most m- most part for shame um but yeah all that aside that's what we tune for we try to optimize that and uh um you know we we take our examples uh like we mentioned earlier prior to the interview like we take our examples from the best in the industry mm-hmm. and uh you know if you look in our garage uh, the cars that we benchmark regularly are Lotuses and Porsches yeah
0: and well, that's really that's really interesting because yeah I mean like obviously the right now like your your sportiest offering is the the Miata mm-hmm. or MX5 which is a great car it's spectacular a fantastic car to drive as well I might add yeah it's why I wouldn't know I'm too big oh one day you'll get one. Someday, yeah. Someday. i will just, we'll find just remove
1: that head and you'll be fine. Totally fit in at yeah, that I point. I'm not using it anyway.
3: I, I try to talk to the design guys about a gurney bubble version of RF. That's what I'm RF, saying. You know? There you go. Yeah. But <laughs> first of all, it would look
1: great. Yes. A cup car. Cup car with a gurney bubble on there. <laughs> there you go. <laughs>
0: yeah. While we were talking to Jack Flint earlier and just said, like, the speedster, that's perfect. Yeah. I just need to get a garage and then I'll put it in the garage and not park it anywhere ever no <laughs> no problem yeah, don't. yeah but um no it's it is it is interesting to see like because the that, that mx5 it's on it like when you compare that to something like uh as you're saying like a 718 uh boxster yeah. or a cayman or something or even um like a stingray corvette or whatever which are very very sporting cars like it it It's not, it definitely doesn't feel like it's an apples to apples comparison, but it also doesn't feel totally foreign. Mm -hmm. Like it makes, it makes sense. And you, and you can see like, there's these, you know, like all the areas where weight gets trimmed out or, you know, the fact that it's, you know, the overhangs are really short and like the way the car, like it doesn't like, you know, so many modern cars are, 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 so focused on like must corner flat. Like it has to be mm. absolutely flat and ride like, you know, ride like a it has no suspension. But, you know, that got kind of thrown out of the window with with the N D because the thing, it leans. It leans yeah. a lot. But it does it for a reason. It makes it feel more engaging it makes it feel kind of like it increases your sensation of speed. I think.
3: Yeah, it's and, and that it goes exactly back to our Jimbaya Thai philosophy. Mm-hmm. There's a roll posture, what we call diagonal roll, that has to go into it. I'm not a chassis guy necessarily, well, sure. but um, you know we definitely tune it because as you walk, you you have your brain is programmed to receive signals from your body, and when you initiate a turn, there's actually a dive motion for mm-hmm. your mm-hmm. head, and so that's how. You actually perceive the onset of turn before you actually experience laddack or yaw, and those are things that are natural to you as a human. Um, there's a lot of modern cars now that are actually very twitchy on center, very responsive. Yeah, like laddack and yaw actually turn is also almost precedes some of the roll, and then your roll gain is is not as linear. Mm-hmm. So. Sorry to geek out, but it like it saturates too no, cars. That's why we're entire. here. Yeah. <laughs> it, it saturate it saturates too fast. There's sure. no build up and there's no progressivity to it. Similarly in the powertrain world, um when when we talk about uh it's kinda of funny, I was just talking to some guys at lunch about it. Like finally I get Ma- Maz's entire commercial about punching below our weight mm-hmm. or above our weight. <laughs> um that Bruce Lee commercial, right? Yeah. I finally get it because really it's the uh, um in the case of the Miata it actually makes less power than the previous generation cars, right? Mm-hmm. But for us powertrain engineers, I don't even look at horsepower or torque. I look yeah. at G. I look at acceleration exactly. and its first time derivative, jerk. So, if you look at those capabilities, it's actually very natural and it it's very responsive initially. Mm-hmm. And those are the, those. That's what it actually has in common with the Porsches and the other cars. Yeah, its overall potential was more. But the difference is that we as drivers, especially on local streets, we never extend to those potential levels, right?
0: Totally, and that's that's the thing. is like why cars like that are. It's why the Miata has been so beloved for you know. I
1: like to call it smiles per miles. <laughs> you're fired. <laughs> <laughs> just, just hand in your microphone. You're done.
0: <laughs> but no, like yeah, like yeah, yeah. Smiles per miles. Uh, that's right, Kyle. You're going to get used to saying on, that now. I'm on now. I'm on the. I'm on the smiles per miles train. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, like the thing is, it's like it can be enjoyed fully at speeds that are not insane. Right. Like, right. and that's why it's been yeah. people have that's loved it it's so much for twenty six years. Yeah. You know, or or how like it just like it's it's a it's a sane car that is so much fun, and like you know, so much fun has been was lost over the last like fifteen twenty years yeah. just in the pursuit of speed and lap times and stuff.
3: Yeah, I mean, I found like. By the time I started that European car, when I started driving like the 911 turbos and all mm-hmm. that, and I was like, this is too fast for North America. Yes. Yeah, so it's I mean, just insanely fast. And also
1: the power that cars now, I mean, your standard family family four door mm-hmm. saloon can be 300 horsepower. Mm-hmm. And you're like, do you really need 300 horsepower for a standard right. family? Well, car? if you're going to move around
0: 4,500 pounds but plus maybe. what before the kids it's get in, sub and- six <laughs> seconds, it's <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's yeah, perfect.
1: Yeah. But uh, I mean, that's what I mean. It's, it's a light car, it's a small car. It handles excellently well. Mm-hmm. It's great. I mean, yeah. like I said, it's miles per miles car. You're gonna get in that train, you're gonna love it. Yeah.
3: yeah, if if you look at the comparisons, we actually by weight and by power, we achieve probably the same, if not better, G mm-hmm. capability and better response than most of most of the competitors. It's just a slightly different slightly different uh, approach. I mean the overall totally. power of the engine is mm-hmm. the same. It's just how we deliver it. Yeah. But you can't front load it too much because if you get everything up front and it's flat afterwards, it's no good. So it's about Measuring, finding that balance between linearity mm-hmm. and also your, what we call like a feed forward motion that's, uh, that's responsive to what your intuitive uh, expectations are.
1: Right on. And if you need any more power, you can go speak to their friends at Flying Miata and they can oh. put something else in there for you. Those guys are evil geniuses.
3: No, we, we we were just talking to them and they, they got some plans up their sleeves. So uh, the fact that they put, was it like an LS3 <laughs> in an yes. ND already? Yeah.
0: They wasted no time, first yeah. of all. <laughs> But like, yeah, it's so ridiculous and cool.
3: Yeah, I was, I was talking to them and they were saying, yeah, you know, so it's, it's about like a 50, end of the day, it's about a $50,000 package, right? So you buy the car, the car is just a platform mm-hmm. reference, but that's a fundamentally different type of guy, you know. He's, oh, totally. You know, um, but still, they appreciate the dynamics of the vehicle mm-hmm. and uh, they're, they're also looking at, uh, you know, steps down from that of how we can add more to the Miata. It just okay.
1: Yeah, well, I'd, I'd say it just goes to show how good the ND is, the Miata, with being able to, put something like that in and still being able to perform at that something was entirely not designed for whatsoever to have good a chassis and body that can fit everything in there perfectly. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it's really interesting like, and, and you know, I guess kind of winding down a little bit, like, you know, we talk about like, you know, Mazda and this attention to, you know, pay, or paying attention to like what drivers want and making a car that's fun and, and that feels alive and is rewarding to drive. And I think that that One of the best sort of examples of that is the fact that like more people, I think it's an actual, I think it's a fact, I think it's something you guys market too, is that like more people race Mazdas mm. than any other car brand, you know, Porsches, Corvettes, Hondas, whatever, but it, people people keep going back to that
1: Mazda well for that. And it's all ages, I will say that when you go to That's a tractor yeah. that are driving a Mazda, it's every everyone, young, yeah. middle, middle age, old, men, women. Yeah, everyone's there. Yeah, that's
0: that's really cool to see that. I mean, one of the, one of the coolest things I've ever seen at a track day was a spec Miata, just hammered. Like this was not a loved car; mm-hmm. it was it was abused. But going going wheel to wheel, they actually ended up getting kicked out because they were racy, trying to race each other uh, with a Porsche Panamera 4S <laughs> that had like had been wrecked or something, so it was missing a bunch of stuff on the body. Like it was the sketchiest looking car, but like. It looked like the most fun I've ever seen in my entire life. And like, it's just that, that's that thing, like, you know, that you, you just, you get in, in, in one of those cars, you get and in a Miata or,
1: or. Miles for miles, cars is that what you're talking about now? It is. I won't do it again.
3: Yeah. It instantly, you get into NA, M-B, NC, and D. Yeah. The smile comes on your face. If you're a car guy yeah. and, Agreed. and you, you drive it, it, it's weird how it can do it. And, and even after driving, I could find flaws, okay, stiffnesses, mm-hmm. you know, this and that. But it still intuitively brings a smile to your face. Yeah, it's a great so, package. Yeah. yeah. I just hope there's enough people out there that can still appreciate it as, as time moves on and we move.
0: Well, yeah. judging
1: by the RF and how quickly it was subscribed mm-hmm. to, I'd assume that that's a big yes yeah. on that yeah. one.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a desirable car. It's very cool. Yeah. I'm glad we put a top on it. Yeah, very pretty. Yeah. Very, pretty. Yeah. very pretty. I I'm like just, it too. I'm many, still waiting
1: I? Though. I'm going to start a petition
3: <laughs> for the gurney
0: bubble in <laughs> the RF model.
1: It'll be great, guys. I, I like the roof because that means I don't get turned too pink when I drive it. That's important. Uh,
0: yeah. Well, thank you so much for taking some time out of your day. We know you're a yeah. busy guy, um, but we're psyched to have you
1: on. Oh, and... but, Jay, we are going to go. If anyone wants to wrestle me for your oh, 240, yeah. how <laughs> should they get in contact?
3: Oh, man. You know, I'm... Uh, I, I probably through you guys then. okay I, so I'll give sure. you my business because I don't I don't have a presence on that's social all right media no, no. Or so anything. if anyone
1: that's smart they yeah, should nice. what they should do is they should find me and then I could forward all of that correspondence to Jay because obviously that's gonna sure. happen right? yeah that's right. you can you can <laughs> rank James at uh uh james
0: mckeon uh one two three four five (laughs) main street usa and that will get to jay and then we can find out who gets that two forty. no but really where can people find you uh james if they
1: wanted to seek out your fine work on the internet they can find me at nobreaking.com or one word n-o-b-r-a-k-i-n-g they can also do the same on facebook no backslash no breaking and on instagram no breaking excellent what about where can they find the peterson well, they can
0: find it in many places. Uh, it's uh, peterson.org. That's P-E-T-E-R-S-E-N.org. Uh, and then uh, Facebook is Peterson Museum. Instagram is Peterson Museum. Twitter is Peterson underscore museum. And uh, if you find folks uh, wanted to, to to find out some more information about uh, Mazda, then, um, you know.
1: Mazda USA, M-A-Z-D-A, I believe is a website. and
0: uh, uh, just... Prepare, you know, be prepared to, to get excited cuz yeah. it's awesome.
1: And we can't wait for part 2 where we come back and do a tour of the Mazda
0: Vault. Tour of yeah. the Mazda Vault. By that I mean like, you know, just drooling over things that have four rotors <laughs> and uh, at least yeah, yeah. That's boy.
1: I'm excited. Oh, I just wanna get out 323.
0: James, Have you ever been to Seven Stock? Not yet. It's a game changer, buddy. You got to mm-hmm. you got to go. Mm-hmm. Bring that, your plugs. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> when they when they start running the uh the 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 Imza uh it was a GTO car. Mm-hmm that yeah that'll make your ears bleed but hey, it's yeah. great
1: that's all right i'm yeah. looking forward to it
0: all right well thank you guys for uh taking time to enjoy this very special trip to uh Mazda headquarters we're really pumped that uh Jack and Jay took some time out of their day to uh to talk to us cuz we're we're big nerds and uh you know we're psyched that we get to do this for you uh stay tuned uh you know car stories is back every tuesday with uh with more guests we're yeah i mean we don't know who they're going to be Oh. You don't know who they're going to be. That could be anybody.
1: Carl still doesn't even know who some of the people are that we've talked to. That's true. <laughs> you never know. Exactly. Right on. Well,
0: thanks again, guys.
1: Thank you. Bye bye. Thank- we hope you enjoyed listening to the latest Carstroys podcast, which was brought to you by our friends at Ogara Coach, friends of us and friends of the museum.